before I talk about my next subject, um, I just want to quickly say about the psychiatric hospital. I experienced every type of of personality disorder, mood disorder, and mental illness that you can think of in the ward in terms of every type of thought, um, behavior, speech, state of heart, state of mind, state of emotions. I experienced all of the bad that one could envision regarding those with psychiatric disorders. I've witnessed all psychiatric disorders to the T in one ward. The bathrooms are unsanitary, so I never defecated in the bathrooms. I only pissed in the bathrooms, and that was it. And I would quickly flush, quickly wash my hands, because everything was dirty, and I didn't stay long. And I remember a couple of times, a lot of the guys, I would calm them down, and I didn't spend too much time in their space. would say, no, you good, man. You could be in our space. It's cool. So I would spend time in their space, and they would say, man... One guy said, man, my mom, that bitch is an asshole, man, because she fucked up my childhood, and that's why I have to set foot up in this motherfucker, and I was caught up on some bullshit. remember one guy saying that to me. It was two young guys, and we was cool kicking it, so... That's what I wanted to say about the ward. Um, And now I want to get to... That's all the ward memories that I've shared. They've all been shared. Um, And now let's get to the painful part of my life in terms of all the rest of the crime, organized crime memories. So in the world of organized crime, I experienced ward protection so I remember being around crime bosses crime lords dons gang lords king pins queen pins prince pins princess pins godfathers godmothers and criminal masterminds. A prince pin is a boy who is almost a king pin, but not quite. A princess pin is almost a queen pin, but not quite. So I spent most of my time basically around people who are in charge of criminal organizations. So I was around drug type of crime bosses, um, sex industry crime bosses, illegal lottery crime bosses, and human trafficking crime bosses. 
I spent the most time with sex industry crime bosses. Um, in fact, my the bodyguards, in quotations, the ones who were killers, the women and the men, they were all men crime bosses, men crime lords, men dons, men gang lords, men kingpins, men godfathers, and men criminal masterminds. They were men in charge of their own criminal organizations. And the women were, and the women killers were women crime bosses, women crime lords, women dons, women gang lords, queen pins, godmothers, women godmothers, women queen pins, and women criminal, women criminal masterminds. There were women in charge of their own criminal organizations. It was 50 killers apiece. So it's 100 killers. 50 women, 50 men. And the the men and the women, they were crime bosses when it came to the sex industry, the human trafficking industry, and the drug trafficking, and the drug trafficking industry. And the illegal lottery industry as well. I spent the most time with the women sex industry crime bosses. The men industry crime bosses, I spent the least amount of time with them. Between the sex industry crime bosses, I spent in terms of each type of crime boss world, I spent the most time with the the sex industry women crime bosses and I spent the least time with the men sex industry crime bosses. I remember when it came to the human trafficking crime boss world, I spent the most time with the women human trafficking crime bosses and I spent the least amount of time with the men human trafficking crime bosses. So each world has men and women crime bosses. In the drug trafficking world of crime bosses, I spent the most time with the women um drug trafficking crime bosses which means I spent the least amount of time with the men drug trafficking crime bosses and the illegal lottery crime boss world I spent the most time with the women illegal lottery crime boss I spent the most time with the women illegal lottery crime bosses and the least amount of time with the men illegal lottery crime bosses because in the organized crime board I was in there were way more women crime bosses than the men crime bosses because the women felt they had to prove 
how tough they are. They felt like they had to compete with men when it comes to everything. I knew women who felt the need to compete with men when it came to manhood and not being a super girly girl, even though they were girly girls who were known to not be to not be play toyed with, meaning don't disrespect them. And the some of the men didn't like feeling outnumbered. And some of the men felt like, yeah. Okay. They liked the idea of quote-unquote badass bitches. That's what they called them. Or these ho-heffas that are flexing their womanly muscles. So, it was patriarchal when it came to the men, the organized crime world that I remember. It was more matriarchal than patriarchal that I remember in terms of how the women used matriarchy. It's basically like female patriarchy. That's how they define matriarchy. Now, modern times... Matriarchy, people would say, is, a, is not about the diminishment of men. It's about the upliftment of women and then the upliftment of men. And at the same time, there is no denigrating of anybody. So some people reclaim the word matriarchy to mean something outside of oppression. But in organized crime what I was in, that's what it was like. Um, I just knew more women running lawless business businesses and unlawful businesses than the men did. So let me explain to you how that world works. Now, these were all the positions that all these crime bosses had. They basically took the mafia style of criminal organization structure. Yeah, structure in quotations. Talking about evil. Um... So, I remember that the bosses of all bosses, there were more women bosses of all bosses than men bosses, boss of all bosses, basically has been given by the media to the most powerful boss. The highest body to decide on interfamily issues is the commission, right? So I knew women bosses of all bosses more than I knew 
the men bosses of all bosses. I knew more women bosses than men bosses. The boss is the highest level in a crime family. Um, I knew more women under bosses than men under bosses. That this individual is the second in command. They are responsible for ensuring that profits from criminal enterprises flow up to the boss and generally oversee the selection of the of a captain and a soldier to carry out murders. The underboss may take control of the crime family after the boss's death. They keep the position until a new boss is chosen, which in some cases was the boss. These are all the things I saw. Like, I knew criminals who structured themselves after the mafia. So again, I'm reading to you things that they gave themselves these positions. They just didn't use... Um, all the Italian language. They took out the Italian language and said, okay, this is what we are. So I'm being honest about how I grew up. Um, I knew more men. No, no, I knew more women, right-hand persons than men, right-hand persons. They usually say right-hand men, but we're talking about women. So I knew more right-hand women than I knew more right-hand men. So the, so the right-hand man, the, I knew more female versions of that than the male right-hand men. So basically, that means a counselor to the boss of a crime family. The boss under boss and right hand person constitute the quote unquote administration. The right hand person is third ranked in the hierarchy but generally does not have um a captain does not have captains or soldiers working directly for them. Like the boss, there's usually only one right-hand person per criminal organization. Again, this is how I grew up. I knew more I knew more women crew chiefs than men crew chiefs. The crew chief may oversee as many soldiers as they can efficiently control. A crew chief is appointed by the family boss to run their own regime or crew 
of soldiers. Um, each crew chief reports directly to the underboss. who gives them the permission to perform criminal activities. If the crime family decides to murder someone, the underboss normally asks a crew chief to carry out the order. The crew chief runs the day-to-day operations of the crews. Of the crews. The crew chief's soldiers give part of their earnings to them and then they give a share to the underboss. A crew chief can recommend to the underboss or boss that a recruit be allowed to join their crew as a mob associate. I knew more women soldiers than men soldiers, which is the lowest level of mobster or gangster. A soldier must have taken the oath of silence and some organizations must have killed a person to be considered quote unquote made keep in mind these are let me read that again a soldier let me tell you that again and read it to you because everything i'm reading to you and telling you about happened in my childhood a soldier must have taken the oath of silence and some criminal organizations must have killed a person to be considered made then you have a low-level soldier, usually someone who does the day-to-day work of threatening, beating, and intimidating others. So I need more women doing these things than men doing these things. Lastly, I knew more women associates than men associates. An associate is a person who is not a soldier in a crime family, but works for them and shares an execution of and profits from the criminal enterprise. Associates are usually affiliates of the criminal organization, but they may not meet all the requirements to officially join the criminal association officially according to organized crime standards, right? They have not yet been fully inducted into the criminal organizations, and thus they have not been promoted to the position of soldier just yet. I know more women doing these things than the men. So, I knew more women front bosses than men front bosses. A front boss is generally put into place to act ostensibly as the boss while drawing police attention away from the actual official boss operating behind the scenes. I knew more women street bosses than men street bosses. A street boss is often informally appointed or regarded by the official boss or by subordinates as the hands-on Street-level, actively engaged proxy or stand-in for the official boss, usually coordinating, controlling, and managing street operations on the behalf of an official boss who prefers to stay behind the scenes either by choice or to avoid police scrutiny. Street bosses are often particularly influential or powerful uh, 
chief crews or underbosses, and the term is sometimes used interchangeably with acting boss or front boss, depending on circumstances. When a boss dies, the crime family members choose a new boss from inside the organization. I knew more women acting bosses than men acting bosses. And yes, all these things apply to what I saw in organized crime. Um, only the boss, underboss, or right-hand person can initiate an associate into the family, allowing them to become a made person. The boss can promote or demote fam crime family members at will and has the sole power to sanction murders inside and outside of the crime family. If the crime boss is incarcerated or, or incapacitated, they usually retain the title of boss but may appoint an acting boss responsible for running the crime family in their stead or on a more daily basis. In addition to boss and acting boss, some families have at times officially or unofficially utilized the positions of front boss and street boss. Remember the word bosses, the member of the boss means person who is the head of the crime family and the top decision maker. I knew more women who were doing these things than the men. And the majority of the women were black, indigenous women of color, BIWOC, and Latinas. Um, very few were white women. And most of the people within the crime, bus crime boss structures I told you about, most of them where black indigenous women of color and Latinas, very few were white women, talking about those working under the bosses of all bosses. That was true for the women. Most of the men crime bosses were black indigenous men of, men of color, B-I-M-O-C, and Latin men, very few were white men because they're more uh, quote-unquote minorities feeling like they had to prove themselves to these miscreants, felons, if you will. That was the particular organized crime world I remember growing up in. And... So because as, as a child I was forced to spend the most time in the sex industry, of all the bosses of all bosses, meaning the biggest crime bosses I spent the most time with in terms of all the industries I told y'all about, I spent the most time with the sex industry bosses of all bosses 
the most out of all the industries I was in, I was with those crime bosses the most because they didn't, they wouldn't have any other way. And majority were women over the men. Um, because I spent the most time doing quote unquote child sex work more than anything else when it came to organized crime. I made the most money there against my will than doing anything else illegally that was paying me. So, I then, I do remember... of all bosses the women all the women crime bosses boss of all bosses they all adopted me as their son their child and that's exactly how they would introduce me to the criminals and their lives and the civilians non-criminals actually in their lives too in fact to be honest with you I knew women who owned in, in the organized crime world I knew more women who owned more pubs than the men I knew more women that owned more bars than the men I knew more women that owned more taverns than the men. I knew more women that owned more nightclubs than the men. I knew more women that hosted and owned more parties than the men. I knew more women who hosted and owned more live music than the men. I know more women who hosted and owned more concerts than the men. I knew more women who hosted and owned more cabarets than the men. I knew more women that hosted and owned more theaters than the men. T-H-E-A-T-R-E-S. I know more women that owned more cinemas than the men. I know more women that owned more cinemas than the men. I know more women that hosted and owned more shows than the men. That is how I was able to be in all of those adult places. Because when criminals host and own things, age of consent is never a concept to them. It's actually a cruel, sick joke to them. And that's how I was able to sell drugs run numbers, be the delivery, you know, be the bag man, um, to be a numbers runner in those places, to be a gambler in those places. 
to be a book maker in those places, to be a bag man in those places, to be a delivery boy and running man in those places. And to be human trafficked in those places. And plus, and I wanted to clarify that I saw any and everything at the brothels. Sin City type brothels. I saw anything and everything at the drug dens, meth labs, the drug houses, the trap houses, the crack houses, and the weed spots. They were all Sin City. And women owned more and in fact I saw anything and everything at the opium dims. Opium den I saw um anything and everything at the opium dens. Sin City as well. So the men did not stand a chance against the women because the women owned more drug houses, trap houses, crack houses, opium dens, drug dens, and weed spots in the men. That's how I was able to be in all those places and see things that children should never witness, not even adults. Um... I had a reputation for protecting women, as you know, because of that. That's why the women crime bosses, the women bosses of all bosses, because remember the women bosses of all bosses outnumbered the men bosses of all bosses. When it came to each and every type of organized crime industry. And each and every type of organized crime that you can think of. Let me explain the protecting women part. So the protecting women part was them saying, okay, them meaning the women crime bosses of all bosses and the bodyguards, in quotations, the hundred killers, they decided that I would no longer be protecting women all by myself. So what they did was if they saw a woman be endangered and, uh, and, and the same protection to the girls too because I was protecting girls as well. So if they saw girls and women be endangered, they would handle it for me and handle it. That means if they saw 
a woman or a girl facing street harassment or being called out of her name and it was obvious she did consent to it and that kept happening. The guy was never and the guys were never gonna change or any type of misogyny and those guys weren't gonna stop. The women crime bosses of all bosses had their workers under them and their security team along with the killers. They killed those guys, beat up those guys, robbed those guys. Because at one point, I was protecting women all by myself. One pastor, I told him, I'm gonna send your demonic ass back to hell with the quickness. Because he was using the Bible to justify domestic violence against women. And that was his woman, one of his women parishioners. And when he kept justifying biblical defense of domestic violence, I took a vase and smashed him in the head when he was bleeding. That was before all these type of people came along. It was just me protecting women alone. And so the women, crime boss of all bosses and the women working under them, along with the um, women killers, they were more into protecting women than the male killers and the men, crime boss of all bosses and men working under them, even though they all were like, okay, Antonio's into protecting women and Tony's into protecting girls. We're gonna do this for him. It's like the women higher ups and under in crime were more into protecting girls than the men higher ups and the men working under in crime too. So it was weird how they would have me do community service projects with them, like feeding people, clothing people, uh, giving money to the poor, help, and they would buy like homes for the poor, for people who are in poverty to live in, and they would have me um, talk and encourage those who were poor as they did the, okay, I'm gonna get you this apartment, I'm gonna get you this house, I'm gonna get you this condominium. I'm gonna make sure your credit score, your financial literacy is up to par. And they would just do things like um, even help pay for kids to go to school, put kids in the right schools. And they even made sure that kids walked the street safely, especially when it came to crossing the street, they had them cross the street safely, all those type of things. And before all that, I remember one particular time, one guy was trying to feel up on a woman and I shoved the my child, child, you know, 
I was a child, I was five, I shot my gun on him. And it wasn't really my gun, but it was a gun the criminals allowed me to carry. And it was a black semi-automatic pistol, shoved it on him. And he apologized profusely for trying to street harass that woman in particular. And he was saying, I'm sorry. Uh, to no end, and then he backtracked and changed his behavior and ran off in terror. So I looked at the woman, she looked at me as I was putting the gun away, and I said, hey, queen, how truly are you doing? She was like, did you just call me queen? I said, that's how that's how Jehovah invented you and she was just taking it back she's like you're the first person and the first male to never call me out my name you're the first male to call me royalty so I remember um, that happening precisely and I remember saying to her are you hungry I said like are you starving she said yeah so we went to an eatery, and I paid for the whole meal, paid for their dessert, and uh, paid for the appetizers, the entrees. I had money on me like I normally would. I was five. And I remember before all that, she looked at my gun and the money but she was so into being like feeling safe with a guy that she overlooked those things. Um, it was interesting how women in organized crime have a warped sense of empowerment and that's taught to the survivors as well as the perpetrators to have a warped sense of empowerment, even to the point of overlooking red flags and warning signs. And hazardous, sig hazardous signals too. So that's what occurred. So we ate together, and I fed her, and I, had a, I would lock arm in arms with women, she was one of them, and I called every woman queen. Princess and queen, I called them, that's how I addressed every woman. And I did that with girls too, you know, remember with girls, I was five, I would just, you know, I would have Women civilians make sure they got food and clothes and stuff like that. Make sure the women civilians will look out for them because I suggested that they should. And they took that as a command, so they looked out for the girls, protected them, made sure they were fine. Treated them nicely, treated them kindly. And um, I knew more women who owned more strip clubs, more sex industry type of venues than the men did. 
I knew women who owned more gay bathhouses, gay beats, and cottaging, and bisexual bathhouses, BDSM environments, and sex clubs, and sex shows, and orgy parties, sex parties, swinger parties, more than the men did. So I say all that to share um, that organized crime warps progressivism. It warps womanhood, it warps manhood, it warps liberality, it warps the concept of conservation and it warps boyhood, childhood, girlhood. Um, Even non-binary people get attacked because there was a high surging of putting hit outs on LGBTQI plus people. And when I this is all off, this part is all off the top of my head. I've been all, all off the top of my head for 10 minutes now. So the rest I'm doing off the top of my head. The rest of this episode is done off the top of my head. So I remember the whole, the whole thing about there was a high surge of hate crimes against the LGBT plus community. It was normal in the organized crime world to get paid to take out like queer people, for example. When I was forced into organized crime, all that changed. Suddenly, it, the, the rate of LGBTQ plus hate crimes is, you know, financially speaking, it drastically diminished because I would tell dudes who would say around me, Hey, I'll make sure that. And they use gay slurs against people. They use trans slurs against people. So then, so then they would call them the name and they say what they're gonna do to them profanely. I my exact words to them. I said, I'm gonna get my homies to murder you if they end up dead. You end up dead. That was my child way of protecting LGBTQ plus community, and they will always call off the hits against LGBTQ plus people. So, and plus using gay translators around me, you are guaranteed a severe ass whooping from me physically. Um, I was going to fuck your shit up. That's how I was back then for me. And to my knowledge, those same people are still alive today. Those who are queer, the gay, the trans, the bi people, lesbians, they're all still alive today as far as I know. I remember being very cool with the LGBTQ plus community at the time. Later on, I figured out we were members of the same community. Back then, I didn't know consciously, so... I was always supportive of the LGBTQ plus community because 
there was nothing about them that screamed hell to me and I still feel that way. I feel that way even more because I officially know myself to be a member of the LGBT Clubhouse community. And um, so they appreciated me well, I appreciate them well. I remember um, in that world in particular, I had a tough time mildly tough time with understanding how to heal from all that and I can honestly tell you this is how I figured it out I decided that one of my careers is going to be I'm going to provide social justice to the law enforcement world into the world of laws because as I have gotten older I remember looking at crime shows as a way to better understand the organized crime world I was in because even though I was in it I didn't have all of the technical terms that I do now watching crime shows and studying criminology I want to help criminologists to provide criminology-based social justice to uh, the law world, the law enforcement world, and the legal system. I really, really, really... I really, really think about how, before I go any further, I want to say this, Um, I knew more women who owned more strip clubs and sex industry places more than the men did, and pretty much all the places that the women owned as well as the men owned. They had me attend all these places. They had me do all of the illegal lottery, drug dealing, and being human trafficked in all those places. And yes, I was sexually assaulted in those places as well. And all those places were Sin City type places too. Now let's get back to what I really want to do in terms of healing. I really want to make life better for those who are facing the complexity of solitary confinement, the death penalty, because those are subjects that I, it tugs at my compassion, it tugs at my heart, my empathy, and those are words I use a lot, some words I use a lot in the podcast because of how important they are to me.
And I've even entertained the possibilities of open prison or prison abolition. Um, I'm definitely into prison reform and criminal justice reform. Um, That's where my heart is. And that's what really helps me to be a loving person is to um, understand that that world has greatly impacted me. Um, It's something that I, I take seriously because I know what it's like to think about, okay, all this evil, all this pure evil shit happened to me. What is the godly way to respond? Right? That's how I felt. And I said, okay, I'm called to heal families, restore families, and help people have better relatives and help people have a chosen family. I know that's what I'm put on earth to do. I know that I'm put on earth to provide human rights to provide human rights to the legal system. I know I'm supposed to be doing that. So the reason why I'm telling these stories is who knows, there may be inmates listening. People on death row may be listening. Uh, People who have been unjustly put into prison, like a Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., of our modern time may be listening. So I do podcasts for everybody listening because it's like, wow, this is Antonio's way of saying the street life is a weak life. The crime life is the slime life. It is not something for children and adults. It's one of the few things in life that are not for either children and adults. Not either. It's one of the few things in life that's not for both children and adults. That I can tell you. I had to do self-correction gently on myself speaking. But when I think of the fact that I grew up feeling like I had to protect more girls than anybody else. It was lonely a lot of times, but I believed that God was with me. It was lonely protecting women, LGBTQ plus community, a lot of times, but I believe that God was with me. It's amazing to have those women civilians look after girls. I suggested to them, they, like I said, I suggested to them, and they made it a command. They turned it to a command, feed them, clothe them, protect them, you know, encourage them, make sure they have moral support, emotional support, the whole nine yards. And so, 
it was amazing that I had leadership skills that organized crime didn't stain nor taint. That is thrilling to me to know that I was looking after people that were never looked after. Um, And to have, you know, to tell that guy, um, that pastor, I'll send your demonic ass to hell with quickness. And he kept justifying biblically domestic violence even more like he did the first time, you know, to that woman person I, I, I mentioned. And, um... thing bust his head with it cracked it it made me think about how I've been put on earth to reform the world of religion I've been put on earth to reform um, reform the legal system and to overcome lawlessness because there's so many fields that are lacking him uh, human rights justice um, I want to read this to y'all again a crime boss that has absolute or nearly absolute control over the other members of the organization is often greatly feared respected for their cunning strategies slash ruthlessness and willingness to take lives to exert their influence and Profits from the criminal endeavors which the organization engages. I saw my women do that in the men. The reason why I'm saying that even again is because it makes me think about what I'm about to tell you. So basically, I've been put on earth to. To provide human rights justice to the world of culture, the world of geography, the world of health, the world of history, the world of human activities, the world of mathematics, the world of nature, the world of people, the world of philosophy, the world of religion, the world of society. The world of secularity and the world of technology was supposed to provide human rights justices to all of those areas of life. And when I was in the organized crime business against my will, what it made me think about was how there are many people like me out there who have been, I mean, to live a life where 
all these places or sin city places the, the men who are out owned and hosted by the women and all these places I mentioned all were sin city Las Vegas ain't got nothing on these places that I can mention to you for sure And again, to have a child do drug dealing, mean human traffic, do illegal lot, the illegal lottery, and all those sin city places. It also shows me that there's so much human rights justice I was meant to provide people. I am definitely a global human rights icon, national, global. A national human rights icon, um, local human rights icon, city human rights icon, state human rights icon, continental human rights icon, and island human rights icon. That's that's what I think of myself. But when I was in that world, let me let me address that. When I was in that world, one of the things I remember was feeling as if I had to be the man as a boy. There were times where I had a habit of quote-unquote emasculating guys. What does emasculating mean? In this context... It refers to, um, it would be women with men. So, these women would see these men challenge me to street fights. For those that don't know what a street fight is, Regardless of the multiple names and variants, underworld brawling, jailhouse rock, bare knuckle boxing, etc., even self defense, you can throw kickboxing in there. Street fighting proper is a form of hand to hand combat in which an individual faces another opponent formally or informally in a nearby setting. And there are no rules in a real street fight. And street fighting is hand-to-hand combat in public places between individuals or or groups of people. The venue is usually a public place, also known as a street, and the fight sometimes results in serious injury, occasionally even death. Some street fights can be gang-related. A typical situation might involve two men arguing a ball, then one suggests stepping outside where the fight commences. Thus, it is often possible to avoid the fight by backing off. While in self-defense, a person is actively trying to escape the situation, even using force if necessary to ensure their own safety. In some martial arts communities, street fighting and self-defense are often considered synonymous. So I grew up in a world of street fighting. I saw it happen regardless of gender. And got men, some men would challenge me to a street fight. 
because they were jealous of my fearsome reputation because in the streets people were afraid of me because they thought that I was a boss of a crime boss of all bosses as a kid. They were, it was scarier to them because they thought I was a kid running everything. So those guys went to challenge street fight as a way of saying, let's see how hard and rough you, you are. Let's see how much of a man you are. And they would all be beaten down to a bloody pulp. Um, imagine a husband being mercilessly beaten in front of his wife. Uh, the same would happen to nephews in front of their aunts, boyfriends in front of their girlfriends, male fiancés instead of their in front of their women fiancés, grandsons in front of their grandmothers, sis, you know, brothers in front of their sisters. And male classmates from their female classmates, or male coworkers from their female coworkers, or it could be male talk buddies from their female talk buddies. Just any type of relationship that women and men have together. Imagine after one more in there. Men casual sex, but from the women casual sex buddies. The I would emasculate guys, in quotations. And at first the women let me beat them up. And then they would join in and beat up these guys with me too. It's like it would happen to sons in front of their mothers. cousins front their women cousins so they would challenge me and they all got bleed to a body bloody pulp by me I never told people about my autism or organized crime simply because it was literally a life and death situation because there were hate crimes against people with disabilities and LGBTQ plus people. So when I got in forced to get involved in organized crime, I remember telling certain people, if you target Anybody with a disability, my homies will finish you off for me. Finish you off organized crime means murder. It was normal to have a high surge of hate crimes against people with disabilities and put a hit out on people with disabilities, but I stopped that. I stopped a lot of it. Once 
or got out about my crime boss reputation. So they called off all their hits against people with disabilities. Just like they did with people who are LGBTQIA+. That was definitely the world I grew up in. And I just want to add that... um, Also, when it came to organized crime, usually I was successful at leading women to safety quietly, getting away from situations. Some I couldn't, so I had to get physical with those guys. So, the people with disabilities, I mean, I went to school with people with disabilities, and I knew people with disabilities outside of school, so we were tight. I never thought of disabilities as a bad thing because nothing about them screamed, I ain't good at shit. In fact, they had the best self-esteem I knew between them and the so-called able-bodied people. And people with disabilities bring out the patience, the camaraderie with people and makes them treat themselves and others in those ways too. That's how well it is. So I just thought about how For me, I look forward to being the change that I seek and I'm proud of myself for telling all these stories. I no longer feel the need to to accept anybody calling me family willy-nilly. No, no, those days are over. This part of my life, my parents don't know about. They never asked. They never got a suspicion. And, um... If I told them, they wouldn't even have it in them to fully address it because they don't do that with their own individual issues. So...
be honest with you, organized crime has all these characteristics of a cult. Authoritarian control. Cultism hinges on encouraging maximum dependency. People in the cult must feel incapable of living an individual life outside the norms of the group. These beliefs often go hand in hand with a worshipful attitude toward the group's authoritarian leader. Extremist beliefs. Cult members hold to very dogmatic and extreme beliefs. They also are unable to question these belief systems without fear of reprisal or punishment from the leader or other group members. Isolation from society. As soon as new members join a cult, other adherents work hard to isolate them from family members and friends. This helps fulfill the mind control aspirations of the leader. It also creates a hive mind. It also creates a hive mind of sorts between the new person and the members. Veneration of a single individual. Charismatic leaders are often at the center of most cults. They adopt the beliefs of the charismatic leaders to fulfill their requests. So, organized crime has all of those characteristics. So, I grew up in... So, I am a survivor of organized crime sex cults. Organized crime sex abuse cults. Um... Organized crimes, polygamous cults, organized crimes, racist cults, organized crimes, terrorist cults, organized crimes, political cults, um, organized crimes, doomsday cults, organized crimes, abuse cults, organized crimes, violent cults, um, Organized crimes, destructive cults. And a destructive cult during the first of groups whose member have through deliberate action physically injured or killed other members of their own group or other people. Organized crime is its own destructive cult. And I want to say that I. Cults that teach and practice polygamy marriage between more than two people most often polygyny. One man have multiple wives have long been noted, although they are a minority. Domestic violence, adult abuse, child abuse, along with the polygamous cults. Organized crime has all those things. So I survived their polygamy cults and their polygyny cults too. I survived their terrorist cults because those people had nine criteria for people with narcissistic personality disorders. So I survived all these type of cults. Pretty much each and every crime is its own cult, and I survived each and every crime that you can think of and the ones that actually exist that too so I just wanted to say that um, the days of me being forced to rob people and giving their stuff back due to the traffickers and pimps ordering those things 
even though they didn't like him and gave stuff the stuff back that I robbed. I was that nice. I still am. Um, those days are permanently over forever. And um, as for the as just for everything I mentioned in my heart, um, I just want to say on record. That I, I survived organized crime's bigamy cult too. Um, bigamy means is the act of entering into a marriage with one person while still legally married to another. I survived that. That's what I was talking about. And so. Um, I just want to say that I'm thankful to share all these unfathomable, unthinkable, unimaginable stories with you all. When it comes to pure evil, it's all imaginable, thinkable, and fathomable. And, um,. There's more I want to say about cults. So, organized crime has charismatic leaders. Cults always follow a charismatic leader, living or dead, whose teachings are considered of the highest importance. This leader may be considered a genius or someone worthy of idol worship. Ideological purity. Members are strongly discouraged from questioning the cult's doctrine and any doubts are met with shame or punishment or violence or kidnapping or murder or theft. Conformity and control. Cult leaders often exercise an extreme degree of control over members' lives, including dictating what they can wear and eat and what kinds of relationships they can have. Conformity is also enforced by group members who police one another. Mind-altering practices, sleep deprivation, chanting, meditation, and drugs are often used to break down individuals' defenses and make them more susceptible to cult ideology, including all of the other um, types of drugs and alcohol. Using sex as a mind-altering practice, the organized crime version. And those are all the cult parts of the ultimate cult core organized crime. There's more cult characteristics. Isolation love bombing is common for people in cults to be encouraged to cut contact with outsiders, including close family members. Within the cult, new members are often subjected to love bombing, a practice where new initiates are shot with love and praise to bring them deeper into the cult and foster a sense of belonging. Us versus them mentality. Cult members are often encouraged to see the cult as superior to life on the outside and to feel that those outside the cult lack understanding or insight. Um, all those things are cult characteristics within the organized crime cult that it is. Apocalyptic thinking, preparation for a supposed apocalypse or cataclysmic event is a major characteristic of many cults, especially, you know, cult religions. Organized crime's version of apocalyptic thinking is 
keep law enforcement out of our business or we'll get the death penalty or we'll get life in prison without the possibility of parole, we die in prison. And time and energy followers are expected to dedicate huge amounts of time and energy and often money to the cult to the exclusion of their own lives, interests, jobs, and families. So organized crime has all these cult characteristics. What is a cult? A cult is a group where particular and often dangerously fanatical ideology has certain characteristics. The term cult comes from the Latin cultus, meaning worship. This is reasonable. A cult must have a leader who is either worshipped or greatly revered by the cult's followers. A specific cult definition can be hard to pin down because in order to be a cult, a group must have a number of attributes. People often disagree about what makes a cult, meaning that the definition is fluid. This is true, especially in the context of religious and other type of movements. Some of these movements have been called cults, while some people have argued against this for a variety of reasons. It is easier generally to get to grips with the characteristics of, a, of cults than to create a single all-encompassing definition. I can honestly tell you, organized the, 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 the cult definitions I just read to you, organized crime fits all the descriptions 100% to the T, and it's motherfucking scary. So, um, that's what I wanted to share with you, my final organized crime of my childhood episode, and I no longer have to have a booming voice for a five-year-old anymore. I remember one guy didn't hold the door for a woman. I said, shit, stain, hold the motherfucking door open for her. And I told him to beat it. After he obeyed me, he he went away because I told him to do it. And a woman, I remember, was like, oh, I think I'm, I, you know, I think I'll be fine the rest of the day. And I said, something shitty about that nigga. I'm going to make sure he doesn't do disrespectful shit or pervy shit to you. So I was hanging around her. She was protected just fine. Because I remember saying to her, he's gonna do some male big shit to you again. And it's my job to keep sickness from from a, from creeping up on you. And she just showered me with gratitude verbally because of that. So that's how I grew up when I was younger. I told you all the stories. And been waiting for this day to come. But I say all that to say. I'm going to end with this. This is the best way to conclude the episode. I learned this in therapy. So, I can say no or yes, and I'm okay when others say no or yes to me. I have a strong sense of identity. I respect myself. I expect reciprocity in in my relationships. I share responsibility and power. 
I know when the problem or problems are mine and when it belong and when the problem or problems belong to someone else and or others. I share personal information, gradually mutually sharing slash trusted relationships. I don't tolerate abuse and I don't tolerate disrespect. I know my own wants, needs, and feelings. I communicate them clearly in my relationships. I am committed to and responsible for exploring and nurturing my full potential. I am responsible for my own happiness and fulfillment. I allow others to be responsible for their own happiness and fulfillment. I value my opinions and my feelings as much as others. I know my limits. I allow others to define their limits. I'm able to ask for help when I need it. I don't compromise my values nor my integrity to avoid rejection because I live a life of healthy boundaries. Figure one illustrates healthy boundaries. In this relationship, the line between partners is easily identifiable. They are, you know, for example, I'm an independent being, yet I'm close enough to be connected to and to have an impact on my partner's life. My partners have an impact on my life. In healthy relationships, boundaries are flexible. They grow and change. Boundaries can be lowered to promote intimacy or extend to promote safety. Remember, they're independent beings, yet they're close enough to be connected to and to have an impact on each other's life. And that is the life I choose to live that clearly defines my personal and my spiritual growth. Now you fully understand how I'm healing from the organized crime cult as an organized crime cult survivor that I am.